0: People get excited about the I do's and the I wills when it's wedding time. It's a beautiful thing to dream about the blissful day with the one you love. But too often, we are not taking the time to consider the reality of the day-to-day living or securing our future. It is absolutely necessary to consider life after the honeymoon. I am Dr. Sabrina Ellis, and welcome to Wife Life, Securing Your Future. Hello, and welcome to the Wife Life, Securing Your Future podcast, part of the DFree Podcast Network. Today, my guest is Jane Flaherty Esquire. She is an experienced estate planning and probate attorney who has been helping individuals and families for 32 years. Throughout her career, she has served as an ethics and grievance law clerk for the Cleveland Bar Association and law clerk at Cuyahoga County Probate Court. Jane also served as a vice president of trust administration for Key Bank and National City Bank. In 2015, she opened her own practice in Ohio. One of her favorite things to do is teach people how to take control of their lives right now by reviewing the titles of their assets. Jane has been married for 29 years. She has two grown children, a son in North Carolina and a daughter in Chicago. Jane, welcome.
1: Thank you,
0: Dr. Sabrina. How are you? I'm well, and I'm excited about you joining us today for this podcast. It is so wonderful how you help people get their assets in order to ensure they are prepared when they pass away. So I want to know from the beginning, um, what inspires you to help people in this way?
1: Well, I like helping people in general. And as a child, I did too. Being one of six kids, you have to learn how to help and serve, right? And the thing that got me, though, into pro, into my own practice and doing this is after doing estate planning and the grievance work and working at probate court, um, at that time, my parents were still alive. But uh, in uh, 2012, they died nine months apart. And... Uh, Obviously, you don't plan for that. You don't know what's going on. And as parents, they didn't really talk to me about anything except to say everything's all ready. I'm the only lawyer in the family. But for the next year and a half, I crawled around their house trying to find things, tried to figure things out, try to manage fights between siblings, and I didn't ever want that happening to anyone else. And so that's why I help people put their ducks in a row now. It's about kindness.
0: Wonderful. Um, I'm sorry about that experience of the losing um, your parents, but it kind of catapulted you into what it is you do today um, to serve others. And that that part of it is exciting. As an estate planning and probate attorney, can you describe the difference between estate planning
1: and probate? Sure. So estate planning, it's taking care of yourself during life, not necessarily other people, but yourself as well, and setting up beneficiaries. It is a kindness in case of incapacity that you have things in order so you don't end up uh, under a guardianship. And it helps you personally. You have control. You know where things are going to go. And uh, you know what you want to do with things. Many people don't look at finances or assets um, until late in life. And you're so much more empowered if you know about them During life. So that's the estate planning part. It's really about kindness on it. Probate, I love probate because I clerked for the judges there. But if you have the ability to plan ahead, you can avoid probate. Probate is a court. In some some states, it's called surrogate court, but it means to prove. So if you pass without having a beneficiary designation on an asset, it has to first go to court and have the judges determine where that asset goes. So probate is the thing that takes control if you didn't take any control during your life.
0: So we have control when we're doing estate planning. Operative word there is planning. It is. It is. So When we hear estate planning, um, I don't know, I think maybe for the average person, it sounds like it's something that applies to people with a lot of money. Is that true? Do you have to have a
1: lot of money for estate planning? The quick answer is no. But you have raised something, Dr. Sabrina, that has bothered me for years. Estate planning does feel like you have to have this huge, you know, winding estate with hills and greens and landscapers, but it isn't. It's about kindness. So you could have a beat up old vega in the driveway and that's your entire estate. So it's about kindness. It's not about money. So that vega, someone is going to have to do something with it when you pass. So you can take care of that now your healthcare, you may not have any money at all, but you need someone to make medical decisions for you. That's kindness. That's estate planning. It doesn't matter how much money you have. And as a matter of fact, for me, I do a package for um, 18 to 21 year olds. And I do this, my children, my poor children, having to be the children of an estate planner, they turn 18 and I say, Oh, happy birthday, honey. Uh, congratulations. Sign here, sign here, sign here. I had them sign healthcare powers, HIPAA waivers, living wills, financial powers, because as soon as they turn 18, I've got no control and it doesn't matter what money they have.
0: Wow, that is powerful. Unfortunately, we don't really think about things like that. And you're right. When they turn 18, they're considered adults. Mm-hmm. And we assume that as their parents, some of us, <laughs> that we still have control. And that mm-hmm. is not
1: necessarily the case. No, I, it's ironic because uh, the government says we can cover them until they're 26 on our insurance. But at eighteen year old years old, they can be drafted and they're treated as adults. And we all know that kids are dependent no matter what until they're at least in their mid twenties um, on there. And it 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 is ironic, but and they think they're adults too, <laughs> so, and they can handle things, but they can't.
0: Well, what we also know is that families are very different, very different. So how? Do you help your clients knowing that there are so many differences? Um, We come from different backgrounds, different Mm -hmm. contexts, Um, Mm -hmm.
1: just different. How do you help your clients? Right. That's one of the um, actual joys in my practice. I love having different people because the tools are exactly the same, but how I implement them are different depending on the family. So let's do a simple analogy. Uh, The difference between a cook and a chef. The tools are the same, but they use them differently. And so that's what I do with my clients. So the tools are exactly the same. I still want to make sure they can cover their health care and their finances during life so they don't have a guardianship set up. And I want to make sure that their assets pass wonderfully and where they want them to pass when they pass. And, but I use the same tools, but we have to think about it. If you have a blended family uh, married and have children from uh, prior marriages, you really need to write things down. There's many stories I can tell you about things that went wrong there. If you're single, you still want to take care of things. If you're a single parent, you definitely need to take care of things. Um, Married people, widowed people um, on there, partnered people. There are many people who live together without being legally married, which whatever their choice is, I don't care. I just want them to be able to have the control. And so even though they've told someone else, oh, no, I want her or him to have everything well, that's great. Do you want them to have it automatically at your passing or do you want them to have to go through probate, deal with creditors, deal with fees, and then get it? Because, and then if they're partnered and it's not in a will or a beneficiary designation, they don't inherit. Their kids inherit. Their parents inherit. Their siblings inherit. So every, it's very different. So a full discussion is really required. And luckily, I am naturally curious. So <laughs> I ask a lot of questions.
0: This is great information, and um, it's, it's informative, and um, I'm, I'm in appreciating your responses. How do we start this conversation? How do you start this conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because there's so many people that don't know about estate planning. So mm-hmm. how, how do you start the conversation with individuals?
1: Hmm. So I love earlier, you said, we don't think about these things. And it makes me crazy because I think what my brain always thinks about these things. It's how I see everything. It's my filter. And it's really in my being at a cellular level. So starting the conversation personally, first as a business, I will never reach out to someone and say, hey, you want to talk about estate planning? You want your will? In Ohio, at least, that's solicitation. So I would never um, reach out and do that for you. So watch out, any of you, if someone calls you to do that because uh, it's on the edge of ethical. However, if you're walking and you see your neighbor and you're in the grocery store, you're somewhere else and you say hi to people, of course, I'd start the conversation if the issue arose. So when a person calls me, they called me for a reason. And so I asked them the purpose of their call, what they'd like done and I can sort of hear. And after 32 years in, in life, you just sense things. And so normally I ask, what keeps you awake at night? What are you worried about? And I can see, <clears throat> excuse me, I can see what um, people say. And sometimes they're hesitant. So they might say, oh, my family is just so different and so weird. And we have our troubles and I just don't really want to talk about them. So what I do is I tell them a little bit about my family and then they start feeling real comfortable. And if they need, <clears throat> excuse me, if they need more examples, I have plenty of probate and estate planning examples to tell them. But the big question I say to people all the time is if you died yesterday, do you know what would happen?
0: Wow. That's that's a major question right there. Um, if that doesn't make you think, uh, I don't know what will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the next question that I wanted to, to ask you, and you may have addressed it already, um, if an individual has a lot of debt, as we talked about whether or not you have to have a lot of money to do estate planning. Mm-hmm. But if an indi- individual or a couple has a lot of debt, what does estate planning look like for them?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, last, your last podcast, you had a financial planner on. When I talk to my clients, I say, who's your tax accountant? Who's your financial planner? Who's your insurance person? We're your team. I'm really smart at what I do. But I don't know all that much about insurance. I really don't get tax. And um, believe me, I have my own financial planner. That is not my skill. And so, clients who have that, I try to get all of them to talk to each other because they see things someone else doesn't. Many people think, I only have X money. I have no money. I don't need a financial planner. They will talk to you at no cost. And they might make you money, they might set you on the right path. It's not going to cost you to talk to them. So, see, what that is. When you have a lot of debt, I have clients who will pay something off. I have one that took money out of an IRA to pay off a debt, but he had other assets and it would have been smarter to use the other assets to pay it off because now he's going to owe more taxes because he withdrew from his IRA. Plus he's under 60. He's going to have a penalty as well. So even though he thought he was solving a problem with debt, he used the wrong assets to pay it off and I have a colleague and I use her all the time. She is with a uh, mortgage company. All they do are mortgages. So if you have a home, she consolidates all your debt. So you have one payment a month, preferably at a lower rate. They even have a credit counselor to work through it. But the big key on this, and we've talked about this before, Dr. Sabrina, it is raising the issue. People are so frightened about having debt. And post-COVID, so many people have more debt. Absolutely. And it is now a commonplace thing, debt. And if you start any conversation, you'll see that you, know, you can get that um, get, the, get it moving anytime you raise the issue. And just in case someone's listening, there's a difference between secured debt and unsecured debt. Um, there's an innocent spouse rule. I've had clients where someone dies and they find out that their spouse had huge amounts of debt they didn't even know about. So working with the tax accountant, we figured out how to do an innocent spouse thing. So she wasn't, um, responsible for much of it, but some of it she was, she had to declare bankruptcy because she didn't talk about the debt. Wow. Wow. So it's really important to create that conversation. And a financial planner is a beautiful person to chat with. And there's plenty of them. And the other issue is, too, um, you want to look at debt. You want to look at um, refinancing, cash flow, and insurance in case you need that cash to pay your debts at passing.
0: So financial uh, advisor or financial mm-hmm. planning is key to mm-hmm. even estate planning. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's move to the next question. If a loved one passes away and they didn't get their estate in order or finalize a will, what can happen to their assets? That's a big
1: question. Okay. So someone passes away. Well, what can we use you for as an example? Dr. Sure, Sabrina? Sure. So your husband passed, but the two of you had talked about things. You knew what your assets were, and I believe you're a blended family too. I'm not sure. Yes. yes. So you're a blended family, so clearly you talked about your finances. Uh, When you married, you talked about whose kids and who's this and what's going to happen and how you want to do things. And when your spouse passed, everything had a title to it. You had already decided things. So you had nothing to clean up in that area. However, how you and I met is you thought you had a house that was jointly held, so you wouldn't have a probate on on the first to die. But it turned out it didn't have that magic language in it. In Ohio, you need to say... um, Sabrina and spouse uh, as joint tenants with rights of survivorship. And then your house doesn't go through probate on the first to die. But you had both of your names on it, but it didn't have that magic language. So we had to take the half of that house, which was, was, your, was your spouse's, and we had to put that through probate to get it to go to you. So you were set up so beautifully because the bulk of your assets had a beneficiary designated that was living. We can talk about primary and secondary beneficiaries, but you were living, so those didn't go to probate, and you just had to fill out some paperwork or deal with insurance companies or things like that to get them all in your name. The house was the only asset that did not have a beneficiary designated, so when there's no beneficiary, the law decides who gets that asset, and you have to go through probate to do it.
0: but I was able to fix that and take care of that and, or you did that for me. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so the, what you're saying is had I, had I passed my kids would not automatically be beneficiaries because of that one little piece. Is that, is that what you're saying? It it, is. It's not if it it doesn't necessarily pass down the way I would want it to if those if that particular matter had not been fixed in advance,
1: right? So let's say that, um, you well, when you pass, because now you learned and you were proactive. You saw the error in the titling of that asset. So in your new home, you have made sure you have it in your name and you've even done a transfer on death. So it goes to the people you want to have it when you pass. If you didn't have anything as a beneficiary on that house, then the house would go through probate. If you didn't have a will, it would go through and go to your children in equal shares. If one of them predeceased and didn't have a child, more would go to the other kids. If they had a child, a minor is going to have part of a house. So you have to think, really think through how you want that happening. Now, let's say you had a will. Your husband had a will. Um, and let's say you had a will and you passed. And your will says everything goes here to here. This, she gets this. He gets this. This charity gets this. This church gets this. That's how you administer it because you've chosen. You directed it. So whatever ends up in probate will go out that way. The assets you've titled separately won't go through probate. They'll go directly to the people you named. There was something
0: that, um, that you stated to me during that process. Um, You just mentioned, you know, my husband had a will, but in the process, because there were some things that were, remember there were two houses involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You said to me that because the 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 right word, survivorship, was mm-hmm. there, that there was no need to even read the will because other other things had been um put in place. Could you explain that just a little bit? Just mm-hmm. I mean, because you know, we we think that. Um the will is the end all, be all, but there's something that kind of pushes that. I don't know, I don't want to say just eliminates it, but explain to me what that mm-hmm. what that's all about.
1: Mm-hmm. It's actually a question I'm not I'm this is a challenge for me and I've been working on it earlier, you know, my brain works this way. So things are so obvious to me. Someone passes and their survivor comes to me and I look at the assets and I make two piles. This pile has beneficiaries. This pile doesn't. The one that doesn't, that goes to probate court. The one that has beneficiaries, we administer it to the right beneficiaries. And I don't know how to explain that. And I'm trying, and I, I'm doing it by colored cards with, with clients to kind of visualize how to do it. But the big idea is you take control. You have an asset. Whatever that asset is, look at how it's titled. If it has only your name on it, when you pass, that asset goes to probate. That means it goes to court. The court decides. It either decides by a will, if you've had written a will, or it decides by a statute. Every state has a statute of dissent and distribution. And basically the general idea is it goes to a spouse, then it goes to your children. If you don't have children, it goes to your parents. If you don't have parents, it goes to your siblings. And one thing I wanna say about estate planning and kindness, especially, well, I wanna say especially for women, but especially for women, you want to make sure these assets go where you want them to go. If I pass without a will, first, I'd be thoroughly embarrassed because I am a lawyer and I shouldn't even go to probate. But if I did, I do not want to f- want some of my siblings inheriting any of my things. And so most people don't understand that doing estate planning and choosing who you want to help you, you are de facto, by doing that, you are making sure the people you don't want involved do not have any authority and power. Sorry, that was an aside from your question. Nope, nope, nope. It's
0: all (laughs) about planning. That is, that's what's key. So for anyone who's listening, how can they find the right estate planner or probate attorney?
1: That's a great question. So this is the DeFree Network. This is church people. And so you have a community and having a referral of a person, you know, who has been through this and have worked with someone, you ask them, they're going to say, oh my gosh, you know, this was horrible. This was a horrible situation and it wasn't the death of the person. It was the attorney. Well, don't go to that one. Keep asking until you find someone. Oh, they helped me. They were kind. They figured this out for me. And it also starts the conversation so you, especially women, can start talking about these things. Now, if you can't find one, and I don't know what the community is of this DeFree Network, maybe you can talk to other people in other churches. I don't know. But online, there's also associations for lawyers. Google is a beautiful thing. And I'm in a business networking group. And when I have a client who has, uh, for instance, a probate in another state, I'm only licensed in Ohio. But in my business networking group, I can go online and find estate planners in other states to help my clients. And then I do exactly what you should do. I talk to two or three of them. I ask them the questions. I see if they've done that work before, if I like talking to them, if they're answering what I want, if they seem interested. And then after I've chatted with a few, I choose who I want to refer my client to.
0: Excellent. Excellent. One more question before we finish today or finalize our um, discussion today. And this is a big one. If someone is married and they are the only one who wants to do estate planning, how does he or she get the conversation started?
1: That is a huge question. (laughs) Okay. I would say the first thing is, if you have children, go there. Play the emotional card. Oh, my gosh. If we died yesterday in a car accident, who would take our children? Who would mind them? And in Ohio, and I'm sure it's this very similar in all the other states, a minor child would have to have a guardian named. And in Ohio you name those guardians in your will. So it's important to have that. So you talk about your friends, how they treat their kids, and who handles money well, and you think through who you want in order to be your guardians. Most parents will talk about that. So that opens that door. Your children are adults. Then ask, oh, well, if something happened to our son, Um, I wouldn't could I talk to the doctors about them if something if we died and our son or daughter died with us do we want their spouse getting that money raising the issues of in-laws is a great thing to talk about if there is a business it's really important to find out and you can talk about just the business and not estate planning Ask what happens in the business if you're on vacation. If you've become incompetent, who's going to take over? If the other spouse has a right to make any decisions or will inherit that business or not. So that might be a way to raise it. Your financial planner in the last um, podcast said, start with your own assets. Start with your job. Think through what you want. Tell your spouse, I reviewed all of my assets here and made sure I named you a beneficiary here and here and here. That may raise the issue. Parents, use parents. Say, um, you know, mom had her financial uh, health care power done and um, I'm her agent. Who should we name as an agent if we need health care decisions made? Jane, thank you
0: for your response to this issue of only one partner uh, wanting to address this whole estate planning issue and, and what they may need to do to get the conversation started. But can I ask you to speak specifically to women since we're talking about wife life and women securing their future? Talk to the
1: ladies about that. Oh, ladies. I think we need a whole podcast just on this. My hints for ladies. So the financial planner mentioned, have some mad money. And a lot of women have this mad money. My mom used to call it pin money. So they have this money, but I don't want you to have mad money. I want you to have sane money. I want you to have your own money that you control. I want assets in your own name. And if you're young enough, I want you to talk to an insurance agent and get a whole life policy because after you put your own money into that and you get to a certain place, remember I said I don't do a financial planning or insurance, um, you get to a certain stage in this insurance policy, you can take loans out from your own insurance policy. You don't need your husband's or wife's uh, permission to take that loan out. When you're married, if you have to take out a loan on a house, you need your spouse's permission. Sometimes you need your spouse's permission just to get any other kind of loan. But if you have an insurance policy in your own name that has that ability, you can take that money out without anybody telling you no. So younger people or people who have some cash flow and can afford it, look into that kind of insurance. So that's number one. Two, if you've ever inherited money from a spouse or from a parent or anyone, Keep that money in a separate account. Inherited assets are not subject to divorce. They're not marital property. So keep those separate. Your mom left you a bunch of money. Leave it in your own account. Do not use that money for the house. Don't use it for joint assets. That's yours. Keep it separate. Um, Diligently avoid debts or being a cosigner on anyone else's debts. So many times, spouses will just sign a tax return or just sign the paper that their spouse put in front of them. I don't think so. Whoever has prepared those papers, they have to answer your questions too. Make sure you know. Find out what that debt is. You do not want that debt. Most of my women clients, I teach them, get your name on assets. Keep your name off debts. It's a tough thing to do and it's that conversation. Um, And then I talked about the insurance on yourself. There's one other thing, and it's kind of a sad thing, not that there's a lot of sad things in estate planning, but this one is tough for me with younger children. Many parents sign on college loans or they sign on loans for um, cars for children. And since children are young and they're healthy, life insurance is cheap and either if you agree to sign on that loan you either have that kid take out insurance or you take it out on that child because for the maybe $80 a year you're spending think through this you've just insured or co-signed on loans for a hundred thousand dollars for college and that child dies early so not only are you grieving You're paying off this debt. Get an insurance policy that'll pay that off. The same thing on a car. God forbid they have a car and they're in a car accident. and the car, not only do you lose your child, but the car is destroyed. You're grieving and still paying off the blasted car. Please get life insurance on any of your children that you're doing co-signing on debt on. Oh, that is not the way to end a podcast. That is not a cheery note. It is not, else.
0: but hey, hey listen. All else. of this, this conversation <laughs> is is really about um, death and dying, and and it's something that we all have to face. Um, it's a hard conversation to have, especially mm-hmm. for couples who are just getting started out mm-hmm. um, and looking forward to a lifetime together and enjoying children and whatnot, but. I I believe that is at the beginning of that relationship. If you take care of all of this Mm -hmm. and file it away and go Mm -hmm. on with your life Mm -hmm. and not worry about some of these things. It isn't unfortunate, but I appreciate the fact that you ended with the discussion of insurance.
1: I've got positives to end on. Hold on. Let's just, you raised an issue for me. I have a girlfriend and she's in a partnership and we golf together every Tuesday. And I said to her, "Uh, Bridget, what happens if this man passes? Do you get all the stuff? And she said, oh, honey, I am in charge of all the paperwork. I'm beneficiary on everything. So I love that she took charge. Many women take charge of all the paperwork. We'll make sure you're named as beneficiary on everything. And then to women, again, we have daughters. We are daughters we are sisters. And the kindness to yourself and to whatever female is going to inherit from you, if you get that done with a beneficiary designation, it doesn't go through probate. And women lose a lot of wealth. And I want to teach them how to keep wealth. And you going into the bank and changing a beneficiary designation costs you a half an hour of your life. But it would cost Four to 10 percent if it went through probate first. So be kind to your women, friends, and kids, and siblings, and yourself.
0: Yes, I'm trying to end, but you just brought up another good point. <laughs> this could go on. <laughs> the good news is we will have a second part with Jane, but uh, that last thing she mentioned about going into the bank and making sure you have beneficiaries added to your account does not mean that they have to be on your account. Uh, you're not oh, making yeah. them a uh, joint uh, mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. They don't get to have access to your money mm-hmm. until you're gone because mm-hmm. the reality of it is nobody can get that money if there's not a beneficiary. So mm-hmm. if whether you have $10 $10,000, $100,000. Mm-hmm. If there's not a beneficiary, it just goes to the wind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Think about that, ladies. Everybody should be getting up now and heading to the bank.
1: <laughs> well, I can't, Well, now, now you've raised another issue for me. So <laughs> I often say to my clients the PETA effect because they say, well, it's no money. And I said, well, pain in the, you know what, my mother used to call it the PETA effect. So It's trouble. You're causing trouble for your survivors who are grieving. So there's two things I want to talk about here. One is um, you said about control. Women can take control. You can have every single thing in your own name. Do not put your child's name on there because it's convenient because their debtors can get to your assets. Those assets would become uh, an asset in a divorce So you don't want anybody's name on the title of your asset that you don't want them to have 100% control over. So how do you fix it? Just like Dr. Sabrina said, you go into the bank, you talk to your broker, you talk to your life insurance agent, you get it in writing in a piece of paper, you keep a copy of it in the binder that you put together. Well, I make my clients put together, you keep a copy of it so they know they have no right or control over it during their lives. But the moment you pass, it's theirs and they avoid probate.
0: Thank you so much, Jane. Thank you for the wealth of information you shared with us today. This has been a wonderful time together. And I hope that Jane has inspired you who are listening to get your assets in order. Coming up in the next episode of Wife Life, Securing Your Future, we're going to discuss how you can prepare for some of the unexpected turns in life. For example, what if you become incapacitated or very ill? According to the CDC, one in four Americans is living with a disability. Jane will join us once again to discuss how you can prepare now to secure your future. Thank you for listening to wife life, the wife life podcast. This is Dr. Sabrina Ellis. Have a great day, everyone.